0: Welcome to the Scottish Football Forum's podcast. I'm delighted to be once again joined by a co-host, Laurie. Hello, Laurie. Hello, Craig. Delighted to be here, as usual. And this on this week's show,
1: we'll be doing our usual review of the SPL games as Rangers fought at home to St Johnston, with Lomas in charge for his first game, and a bit of controversy in the Celtic game, as Inverness given a controversial red card, so we'll be looking at that. We're also going to have a look at um, a topic which has come up this weekend, which is the kind of the heavy handedness of, of stewards and maybe their over strictness, enforcing health and safety regulations when it comes to fans standing at games. So we'll have a look at that as well and our usual look ahead to next week's games. And I think we're joined again today by Greg Mulwell fan who at last he's on, he's been on a couple of times now after a win, so hopefully be cheery tonight.
2: Yeah, most most of the time I'm on here it's after I win because we've been winning all season. So, oh, <laughs> well, right.
0: is that what it is? Uh,
2: that's what it is, boys. I'm here, I'm here to go and here we're going on I love the new intro at the show. By the way, I think that's a, I think that's a ratings winner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the ratings will go through the roof.
2: Tell you man, you're going iTunes is going to be a meltdown.
0: <laughs> right, maybe get five listeners. <laughs> well,
1: a quick shout out to begin with as well. I know he, uh, Tom from the Scottish football blog was on. A couple of episodes ago, and he did mention his blogathon that took place over the weekend 24 hour blogathon. He was doing an article every hour and he completed it successfully, stayed up, and has now raised over 800 pounds for Alzheimer Scotland and also for the Homeless World Cup. So, a big shout out for him. I think he wrote almost 17,000 words in the end, and that was replying to kind of guest posts, suggestions on Twitter. And um, you can still donate. So, if you want to have a look at the website, which is um, the Scottish, so it's just www.scottishfootballblog.co.uk. And it'll give you a link if you go from there to the Just Giving page. So, if you
0: wanted to read the articles or if you want to donate, you can still do that. That's very impressive what he did. Uh, well, staying up for twenty-four hours is is one thing, but to actually continue to write and to keep the standard of writing up, which was impressive. Laurie, I hear that that you attempted to to stay up with them and and support, but you failed. <laughs> well, well, I kind of I got a few beers in
1: and a pizza and was on Twitter and we were chatting away, you know, just keeping them going, retweeting his articles and keep pushing it, but. The beer was probably a bad choice because when it kind of, when it ran out, you know, you started to sober up and I, I fell asleep about, it was after, it was between eight and nine, so I'd done quite well considering I'd been to Dundee all day and it'd been a busy day. But um, yeah, I think if I'd stuck to maybe energy drinks and tea, it might be better. But beer, as you probably know, after you've had a few and you start sobering up, it just went, you just, that's it. You just want to close your eyes
2: and rest. Yeah, you used, you, used, you used to get a bottle of Bucky, Laurie. It's got loads of caffeine in it. That's where you went wrong. I'm, I'm, Cumbria I'm, beer. A bo- bottle of tonic I'm, wine would done you treat.
1: I'm not from Motherwell, though, lads. We didn't drink... What's that bug fast, isn't yeah,
2: it? Tra- <laughs> it, tra- it travels, mate. travels.
0: Aye, <laughs> uh, so if you've if you've got any spare cash, uh, it'd be two good causes there, the Homeless World Cup and Alzheimer's Scotland. I um,
2: thought you were going to see a bottle of Bucky for Laurie.
0: Aye, <laughs> <Sorry, laughs> <Yeah>, Aye, <I>, maybe. <laughs> Yeah. Also, I wanted to mention a couple of things about the forum, if I may. ScottishFootballForums.co.uk is uh, the forum URL, and well, it's a bit long. So I know that myself, I have it as my homepage, but sometimes I'm on another PC, and well, I'm a wee bit lazy. I don't, I don't like typing too much. So I bought a, I bought a domain, and the domain is SFF.IM. And if you type that in, that'll take you to the... Redirect you to the homepage of the blog section. And if you go to sff.im f, then it'll take you to the forums section. So it's not a replacement for the URL, which which remains to be scottishfootballforums.co.uk. But it's for those that are are lazy like myself. I also bought sffpredictor.co.uk. And again, that doesn't replace the existing URL... But it, it gives you a wee bit of a shortcut if you want to go directly to the predictor to make your predictions. So just a couple of things there I thought I'd like to mention. So moving on to the SPL games at the weekend there. And we may as well start with the, the first game of the weekend, which was live on TV, which was Inverness against Celtic, which Celtic won 2-0. Looking at predictions, I'd went for 3-0, despite Chris telling me that was it they hadn't won by more than two goals in Inverness before. I think that's what you said, uh, yeah. Yeah, I tried to go against that, but (laughs) I was incorrect. Laurie, you'd went for a 3-1 victory. Chris had went for 2-1 to Celtic. So I think the the big talking point for this game was the the red card, and Tansy got sent off for, well, I don't know what you want to call it, maybe an attempted elbow to Samaras, a a slap in the face, a a fingernail in the eye. Was not a red
1: card wasn't a red card it's uh, it's another one of these you see a lot of them given at the moment and I think it's you know if there's any arms near the player then it seems to be automatically a red card but it's very difficult to, to jump up and challenge for the ball without your arms kind of being out to the sides or flailing in some way you know it's hard to keep them at your sides as such and whilst his arm did go up and he maybe caught him in the face a bit with something it certainly wasn't his elbow and I thought it was a bit of a ridiculous red card and by all accounts had a big bearing on the game because it was goalless at that stage and Celtic went on to win it. Um, I think uh, was it Johnny Hayes who's I think have got himself in a bit of bother with certain comments on Twitter after the game I think saying it's difficult playing Celtic with their 14 men I think might have been the comment. So it's for me it's, it's a ridiculous decision and it's as soon as there's an arm anywhere near the other player, and the player goes down and holds his face. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not saying that Samaras was play acting. That it was hard. to he, he may have got something in his face, you know, where it was a hand or whatever. But if he'd not, or if he'd, you know, not reacted, would there still have been a card? I don't know. The ref seemed pretty dead certain there wasn't much hanging about
2: getting the card out. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've only seen it in the highlights as well, but certainly in, in real time, um, it, it looks like a, it looks like a ropey challenge. But when you see it in slow mo. Yeah, there's no way it's a it's a red card when you see the pictures in the paper. It, it, it barely looks like a booking, um. To be honest, but give a referee the benefit of the doubt. You watch it in real time. Yes, yeah, it's, it, it's easy to it's easy to make a decision that there that is there's maybe been a wee bit about reckless. Thought it was about harsh in sending the boy off. Though probably a booking would have sufficed. And just to touching the point about Samaras, as, as soon as I see a Samaras that's gone on the ground, I, I immediately have my suspicions about the the validity of the or not, I watched him the part a couple of weeks ago throwing himself a bit like a big fairy, so um, for a big and boy like that, I, I just kind of believe he's on the deck as much as he is, so yeah. well,
0: it's like it a real... It did look soft, and uh, it's easy to say that Samaras did go down easily, but I think it was striking at the end, says, would it hurt if you got poked in the eye? And, well, obviously it would, so I don't know, I don't know if he was milking it, it, it depends, it's not nice to get poked in the eye,
2: <laughs> no that's, that's true it's that's true as well but it's whether, it's whether a poke in the eye results and you claps into the ground holding yeah. your face or just blink a couple of times
1: I mean I just think they give it too I think they just give it too easily that you know it's I, I get an elbow as a red card if someone leads with their elbow puts their elbow right in someone's head or face that's sending off but if the arm's there and it maybe touches them I mean is that really uh, we're going to stop players challenging for the ball in the air soon if, if players are going to get if they're at risk of getting sent off because again I reiterate what I said earlier if if you're challenging for the ball in the air your arms will naturally get your side you know you're you're jumping up that's where they go it's the same argument with the handball you, you can't your, your arms aren't it's not natural to have your arms down to your side they're going to be flailing and if someone goes in with intent and it looks like they've really stuck their elbow in then I get that that's a red card but if it's just there and it maybe brushes someone's face or whatever i I just think it's going soft again but that's just
0: my opinion <laughs> he did he did take a glance at Samaras just before they jumped for the ball and whether that was because he was, he was maybe scared of getting clattered uh, as they went up for the ball or whether it was because he was thinking right I'm going to do him who knows but I think that's what, what got the referee he's seen the glance he obviously seen Samaras gone down he's seen the contact however minimal we now know it was but he's seen this real time, so I can understand why he gave it a red card. But well, it's, it's easy for us in hindsight, isn't it, with the the multiple replays?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a massive decision at that stage in the game, and you would think if, I mean, you can only assume that the referee's a hundred percent convinced that it's, he's been leading with the elbow, and I, I don't, I haven't seen the replays. I don't see how you can draw that conclusion. You think he would have at least spoken to his assistant or something before he makes that decision? Because at that stage of the game, it's. It's a crucial one, and you got to feel a wee bit sorry for Inverness because they're they're starting to play some decent football, and they're really not getting the, the rub of the green. We we get three points a couple of weeks ago, um, up in Inverness, maybe barely kicked the ball, and then you look at the game on Saturday. They were up to the sending off. They were they were doing reasonably well. So, um, I feel a bit sorry for Terry Butcher at the moment. I think he's I think his team aren't really getting the points that they deserve. But the plus point is that they're playing reasonably well. So I'm sure they are sure they have turned it around.
0: So moving on to a match that Greg, you'll appreciate. Mm-hmm. Aberdeen against Motherwell, which finished 2-1 to Motherwell. Uh, did you did you watch the game? Were you enjoying
2: it? I, I, I saw. Um, I've only really seen the highlights, saw the goals and and, and one or two of the highlights. Um, I don't think it was a I don't think it was a vintage performance from Motherwell by by any stretch of the imagination. But again, it's. It's another one of these crucial three points that we've, we've managed to pick up on the road, and the difference this season, and, and the fact that we're doing so well is we're going to places like Pottodry, Easter Road, Tanadice, and we're coming away with the coming away with the three points. And I still don't think the team, the times that I've seen them live, are playing as as well as we're playing at the start of the season. So it's really encouraging, from the point of view that we're still picking up points, but possibly not playing, um, as well as we did. Big things, big things on Saturday. Um, Higdon getting another goal. I think that's his eighth goal, and somebody was saying 16 games. I don't know if that's, if that's accurate or not. But if he keeps going the way he is, it's, it looks like he's going to give us a, a decent goal return. Omar Daly gets his, gets his first goal and his first start for the club as well. And interestingly, McCall was playing him upside, um, up front alongside Higdon on Saturday. So I don't know whether that's maybe signs of things to come. Uh, in the future but it's just it's all positives i mean it's 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 that's four four times we've played craig brown's aberdeen and four victories we've chalked up it's another victory in the lucky silver away strip as well so just there's just well as we'll we'll talk about later other than one or two unsavory instances it's it's nothing but positives from from saturday's game and you know still waiting for this bubble to burst
1: Lucky silver or, or rank grey, as I like to call
2: it. Lucky silver, <laughs> sir. I think you'll find maximum points in the silver strip.
1: Hearts had an equally rank silver kit in the 80s, I remember. Not that I was there, but in the videos I've seen, I'm not as old as you
0: lot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, well, they've got a knack at the moment of grinding out the results in games where they're not necessarily, as you said, played as well as they possibly can so you know that's always a sign of a good team I hear Hately again I think Haightley you've got him comments for his delivery he's got a cracking right foot on him from set pieces um, listened to his uh, father on the radio earlier uh, saying that he thinks he can certainly go further in the game and from what I've seen um, he certainly seems to be a, a very promising player a couple of goals not particularly great defending I thought from Motherwell for the equaliser um, Stephen Craig Stephen Craig seems to be caught uh, napping a napping all these days. I don't know if that's just his age showing or maybe he's thinking ahead to the, his post his post match um, summing up when he's on the telly or whatever. He's always on the radio, and the TV. And, but yeah, overall good result for Motherwell. Crack and go to win the game. Some good quick feet from the new signing. And they, they, as you say, they keep grinding it out. So as, at the moment the bubble hasn't burst, so we'll just have to to wait and see. See how far it can go. I certainly think they'll they'll be looking pretty confident for third place with no one else really seeming to get any sort
2: of consistency. Yeah, the, the gap's stretching a wee, but I think, we're, I think we're nine in front of St. Johnston, although they've got yeah. a game in hand to um, Aberdeen, I think. But uh, I seem to say this every time I'm on the podcast, it's, it's another two or three massive weeks coming up. We've got Dundee United at home Saturday, Hibs at home next Friday, and then I think we've got um, St. And Johnston. Um, and then Hearts and Christmas Eve, so I mean, all five of these are pretty straightforward, easy ones, I would imagine.
0: <laughs> so the other end, <laughs> the other end of the table, Aberdeen joint joint bottom with Inverness, it's looking like in for them.
2: The the longer it, the longer it goes, I think that I think that the more concerned the the punters up at Pitodry will be. I, I think we've spoken about this in the past. I mean, Craig Brown's brought his Brought his own signings in now, but it's a team that just seemed to be lacking a wee bit, of, a wee bit of grit and determination in the in the middle of the park. They don't seem to have a couple of players who can who can turn the game around, who can dig it out and and, and scrap for some points. And I think if they, I think if they're in a similar position come the turn of the year, there might be some there might be some uh, nervy nervy moments for them in the in the closing few months of the season. and saying that, I don't I don't think there's any danger of them dropping out. I think they or certainly Save everyone's bacon this year, but for a team like Aberdeen being in that position eh, in the league this time of the season it's just, I don't care about you know what the Aberdeen board say, they've got to be looking at that and, and, and start to have some question marks over what Brown's doing there.
0: So looking at the predictions from last week, and I'd went for a 2-0 victory to Motherwell, so I would have got one point in the SFF predictor. Laurie, you went for a one-each draw which was the same as Chris, so totally wrong, the two of <laughs> So the next game up is Dundee United against Hearts, which finished 1-0 to Dundee United. I, I went for a 2-1 victory to Hearts, so totally wrong. Laurie, you and Chris again went for a, a one-each draw, so we were all wrong in that one. Now, for this game, the first thing I've got to mention is Scott Robertson's diving header. Brilliant. It was even better the fact that it was John Daly that was kind of switched positions there. He was out in the wing set, crossing it in. It was brilliant. It was a cracking goal. um,
1: And yeah, I think maybe we were a bit confused at the back as to who to mark because Daly was out in the right wing. But I mean, I know I got a bit mocked on the forum when I said, oh yeah, we we played really well and "Ah, everyone says that when you lose. But I think the highlights kind of showed it as well. It was the best I've seen us play for a long time. And it was one of these games where, yeah, if we play like that every away game, most of the time we'll win comfortably. I thought United were actually very poor. They sat in really deep. It was almost like they were the away team. I think they actually took the game to us a lot more at Tyncastle, though, in saying that. And um, it was a very positive di- display, actually. Sutton started. We didn't kind of hang around at the back with the ball as much as we have we, we got it back to front quite quickly. I thought Templeton was excellent, again. Nielsen they got a very good reception from the Hearts fans, Uh, he looked a bit off the pace match-wise. Templeton kind of had him a lot of the time throughout the game going past him. And, yeah, disappointed in result, obviously. I think we need to really take our chances and make the most of when we're in control of matches. Um, Two decisions in the game, two offside goals, one each. I think they probably both looked marginally right decisions. But at the end of the game, I would say, other than, again, the same as... um, Greg with some issues that I'll bring up <laughs> with stewards uh, a bit later I thought we actually played really well and I didn't want to be too critical because we lost but we've certainly been a lot better on Saturday than we have been in recent games so I just hope we approach a lot more away games in that way because I think we'll pick up a lot more points if we do
2: Yeah but by all accounts well, I'm only going in the highlights and reading the paper I think Harts were a wee bit lucky to come away um, come away with, uh, without the win and Saturday, I'd, I'd fancied them Saturday, taking them on the on the Kippin, because because like Laurie, I, I think I think Dundee United are a side that are, that are really toiling at the moment. If you took a, if you took sort of John Daly's contribution out of that team just now, I, I think they would be struggling to scrape any sort of points together. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it's hard showing maybe one or two signs of recovery, but um, as I was saying, the form and Saturday night, they've they've got, got to turn these performances into points, especially at this stage of the season.
0: It's interesting that they they turned to Sutton. What's happening there, Laurie? Because he's been he's been out in the cold for so long, and, and then he suddenly starts.
1: I don't know. I was very surprised. It was my dad uh, before the game when we were in the pub before the game. He told me that he, he read in the paper in the morning that Sutton was going to start. So it was obviously not a kind of last minute choice. I have no idea. I thought he was not even getting on the bench recently, and he got a start. And I thought he'd done reasonably well. I mean, he didn't look. Um, he looked a bit maybe lacking in match sharpness a couple of times. He had a couple of chances at well, I think he's probably saw one of the highlights in particular where he ended up rolling it straight at the keeper, which I thought he should have done better at, but he's not been playing, so maybe he's he's lacking that sort of edge. But it gave him someone to hold the ball up. I thought he was he was getting manhandled throughout the game and whilst it would have been harsh for him to win any of the penalty calls he got a few times he was getting up, he was getting shoved and kicked all over the place and I think his former Dundee status Seem to have gone down with the fans because he was getting a fair bit of stick as well. Um, but I don't know. I, I just hope it's not a sudden flash in the pan to suddenly go attacking because we've done it against Celtic and it worked and we won. We kind of played a bit more direct, not long ball by any means, and we won and then we suddenly went back to it, like in the games against St Mirren, just holding the ball at the back for long periods and not really doing much with it. So I, I don't know. You know you know it's hard. So you. you consistency isn't something we really do in, in any terms, on, off the park, player decisions, whatever. Um, So, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. I just hope it's, that he gets more of a chance, because I think he deserves it. A, a few Hearts fans have already written him off as he's not good enough, but I think he needs a bit a bit more of a consistent run in the team to actually prove himself.
0: So the, the next game up is Hibs against Kilmarnock, which finished one each. I went for a 2-2 draw, so they got one point in the predictor. Laurie, you went for a 3-2 victory for Hibs, showing your true colours there. And Chris <laughs> went for a, a 1-1 draw, which would have got him um, three points in the SFF predictor. So I, I'm, I only managed to see the highlights online on the, the BBC site, but did either of you see the, the two fouls that weren't given for Kelly? There was, I think it was Dayton was brought down by Hanlon, which... I don't think you can get a more obvious free kick than that, and the referee just wasn't interested. And then there was another incident later on again when he just dismissed it totally.
2: Yeah, there was. I, I think certainly one of those happened literally three or four yards in front of the referee because I watched it again in the highlights. And I mean, he's, he's standing feet away from, from yeah. the challenge the edge of the box, and it's like, yeah, I was, I was, I was more than surprised that he, that, he had, that he hadn't given that, but he's obviously not seen everybody else watching the TV scene.
1: In terms of the game itself, obviously Billy Brown took charge for the game. We know he's been interviewed for the job. I think he would have been maybe looking for a win, but by all accounts, you know, second half, he made a couple of substitutions, which paid off Lee Griffiths, grabbed the equaliser. They could have won it. And I think maybe a lot of Hibs fans I heard before saying Colin Caldwood maybe didn't make the changes when there sh- are the right substitutions at the right times a lot of the time. So I guess that's one positive. Uh, both goals, I thought, goalkeeping-wise, I- I'm never... I've never been the biggest fan of Graham Stack. I don't think his handling's all that great. And he kind of spilled the shot a bit, I thought, for the Kelly goal. And then, again, at the other end, uh, I think it was, is it still Yakla? Is it still Yakla in goals at the moment? I think it is, yeah. And he kind of spilled it for the the goal, so it wasn't the best keep. All round, it looked like it was a kind of evenish game, and maybe not disastrous for Brown, but maybe not enough. You know, I, think he, I don't think he's got the best chance of getting the job anyway. I think he would have had to do a lot, and... Maybe get an impressive win, so probably maybe slightly disappointed that they didn't get more than that, especially judging by you know Kelly's recent result, especially in Vaness conceding six. So maybe slightly dis- slight disappointment from Billy Brown with that.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think only, the only plus point for Hibs on Saturday was the fact that they, they came they came from behind because at least that shows a wee bit of grit and determination. Again, that the boy Griffiths looks as though he's um, he sort of showed a lot of responsibility for that. For their forward play at the moment, but I agree with you. I don't think I don't think Billy Brown's done themselves any himself any favours with that result on, on Saturday. And I think is it still Pat Fennell that they're, they're touting for the for job? Is that still the name that's top of the list?
0: Yeah, it was at the end of last week. Yeah, they were talking about making an announcement, but they didn't. I think they were wanting to get something out there before the weekend's came, but but nothing came of it. So maybe they're still in negotiations with a, a payoff.
2: Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. It's sort a of finances they would be looking out for him. But I think, I think Billy Brown's only chance is if, if, if Part Finland doesn't take it. Even then, I'm not convinced he would be, um, he would be top of the list to to get that job. I think the Hibs fans need, um, need a wee bit of a wee bit of a boost from a new manager. and I'm not sure Billy Brown's the guy that would provide them with that.
0: So moving on to the Rangers against Johnson game, which finished nil nil. I went for a 3-1 victory for Rangers. I had my blue tinted specs on. I was totally wrong there. Laurie and Chris both went for 2-0. From what I've seen of the highlights and I've seen maybe the second half of the game live, I thought that, that both teams really deserved the points. I thought St Johnson had a, a few chances where they could have nicked it. Rangers, uh, was it Lafferty's free kick? I can't remember who it was that got a touch on it. Maybe uh, another day that would have went in. But yeah, I think a 0-0 is a, a fair result. Yeah, St. So Johnson seemed to have a very good second half, with Rangers maybe missing a few chances, a few more chances in the first.
1: And yeah, again, they, they dropped points against St. Mirren, so maybe it's surprising, considering, especially considering they're away form. But maybe this is the way kind of has them playing. It works better on the break, you know, letting teams kind of come at them and then hit them fast on the break and or maybe they're just missing Naismith. I mean, there's quite a bit of reaction on the forum to it. Johnny Robb, obviously a Celtic fan, says, well done, St. Johnston. Four points in Glasgow. Um, was a poor link I had. I presume that's meaning watching the game, but he said, but Rangers looked rank. Um, Black Dog, uh, take out the explicit, the expletive, but he says, utter poo. <laughs> um, no disrespect to Frugal, but the jersey should be beating St. Johnston to Ibrox. Ibrox. That is totally unacceptable. And irrespective of what Ali comes out and says, um, poo. <laughs> uh, Jabester responded with nil-nil, and we were lucky to get that. Too many players in the park who can't pass at the ball. St. John'son were impressive, and Anderson and right at the back were great. Lethargic is the best that can be said about Rangers.
2: Yeah, I, I listened to the I listened to the whole match on the on the radio on Saturday. I was I was um, I was painting my wee boy's room, and, and the the game was only marginally more interesting <laughs> than watching the paint dry. To be honest, because it was. Uh, I think Rangers went out and had a real goal in the first twenty minutes and, and St Johnston seemed to stand firm and after that the suggestion certainly from the from the guys in the radio was the Rangers had perhaps run out of ideas a wee bit and I think without a doubt they've, they've been missing Naismith. I think Davis as well had a had a, had an off there a quiet game but um, credit to St Johnstone going there and going there and taking a point is um is a valuable one so um it it just adds to the, the impressive start to the season.
0: So the the final game The weekend is St Mirren against Femlin. And this was the match that Paul Band chose for his charity bet, which he predicted a a 0-0 draw here. So, Laurie, both you and I had had went for the the 0-0 prediction. Chris went for 1-0 to St Mirren. And the game itself finished 2-1 to St Mirren, which, well, I thought they were a good value for that. Victory, I think Dunfermline was really impressed at the start of the season, but they're they're just, they're just a bit in free fall at the moment, and I just can't see. I think Greg touched on it earlier that I think Dunfermline are looking favourites to go down because they're up against Aberdeen, who you'd think are going to have to turn it round at some point, and Inverness, who seem to be playing some good football, but are still stuck in 12th place. So either do you see the game.
2: Didn't see it. So I saw the goals. I saw the goals in the uh, on uh, on sports scene. And I uh, I mean it's, it's another it's another good victory for St. Mirren. And again, I think they're sitting fifth in the table as yeah. well, just tucked in behind St. Johnston. And you know if, you, if 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 you're a if you're if you're a Paisley fan, then you uh, again a wee bit like Motherwell, a wee bit like St. Johnston, You probably be pinching yourself that you um, that's at a stage at, at this point in the season. But uh, I mean to Fairland just continue to hemorrhage points and. I don't, I don't see it turning around for them, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I, I've said in previous weeks, I don't think Sunderland are a very good team. You know, they managed to get a few results, kind of a few decent results so far this season, but overall, I do fear that they might end up being the basement boys in the in the league. But in saying that, I don't think Aberdeen have been particularly better when I've seen them. I think maybe they're they're kind of their stature—I say that uh, in inverted commas—as uh, a club, maybe usually say, makes people think that they're maybe better than what they are, or that they shouldn't go down. But for a long time, I think Aberdeen have looked kind of rotten, and not just anything to do with Brown, or maybe not even just anything to do with McGee. They seem to just be something wrong with the club, kind of right, right through, right from to the top. But Samirin, um in this game, Semirin. Look, definitely deserved of the points. Hasselbank again, I thought looked really sharp. Looks like a great signing again for them. Really well for the first goal, and uh, that young McLean grabbed the goal. Another good prospect. I have purchased him, on, purchased him on foot, Football Manager previously. He always came through well, so that usually means means a lot, really. Um, so oh, it's well,
0: it often quite accurate. Football yeah, they, they do their research.
1: So another good yeah, young player coming through in the Scottish game, and uh, again. Uh, we, we've seen it a couple of times in the English Premier League over the weekend. Uh, defenders taking too much time at the back or trying to play out from the back and being punished from it. So, as I said last week, you know, nothing wrong with getting, a, getting the old foot through it. Safety first, foot through it, out the park, Rose head. get back and face. None of this passing out nonsense, especially when you're Austin McCann. He was never the silkiest of players.
0: See, so it's a no-win situation for a defender because if you do that, then the fans are going to they're going to moan about it, and then if you try and play it from the back, you end up getting tackled and leading to a goal.
1: Well, it depends on the
0: situation. I just think you don't you don't want defenders to do it all the time, but
1: and again, I think maybe keepers are often a bit to blame when they kind of roll the ball out when the defenders about to get pressure on them, especially when the SPL. With all due respect, to our league. You've not got, the, I mean, everyone refers back to Barcelona doing it, but uh, you know, as I've said before, <laughs> not everyone's got the players Barcelona do, and a lot of teams can't do it. And if, if you see Chelsea getting quiet with it, Swansea getting quiet with it, try to play out from the back. And if they're, if the English playing the league teams get quiet with doing it, you know, watch as the SPL defenders have. So, moving on uh, from the games at the weekend, as myself and Greg briefly touched on, we were going to have a look at. Um, Stewarding and in particular came up because of the Mullerwell game where a kind of group of fans were ejected from the, the ground against Aberdeen at the weekend. And as far as I'm aware, as far as little led to believe, it was just for standing up, which it does seem ridiculously harsh, especially when I think there was maybe about six hundred of them there in a in a section which holds a fair few thousand. So I can't imagine it was anything to do with issues of surging or crushing or even blocking people's views. But it seems to be happening quite regularly. And I experienced again at Tannadice as well myself at the weekend uh, when I witnessed a Hearts fan who got taken away by the police. They did, thankfully, let him go back to his seat about 10 minutes later. But it was one particular steward who I've heard does it quite often. He did it to us last season where he tried to get um, one of my friends arrested at the game just for standing up, even though I would say literally at least half of the Hearts section was standing up. It was a good atmosphere. We were playing United. We'd already sealed third place, so we were just there to have a good time. We were standing up and singing. The United fans were having a bit of banter back and forth with us. It was all quite good humoured. And they came over and started trying to confront us and tell us to sit down. And when we just ignored them, he went and tattletaled on us and got the police over, who I'll give them their dues. They didn't really seem like they wanted to have to get involved. And when I spoke to them, they seem quite reasonable, and asked them if there's a good reason that they can throw any of us out. And I said, if he's going to start throwing my mate out, then he's going to have to throw about 500 more of us out because we were all standing around him, so it seemed ridiculous. And it just seems like it's gone, it's just gone mad, really, in terms. Of, and I just, well, I have got a, a, few, a few bits of information here, but first of all, I'll just see what Greg's views on it are because I know it was the Motherwell game that it happened in at the weekend, the major talking points.
2: Yeah, it's 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 an utter nonsense. Um, I'd posted some stuff in the the forum on Saturday night because I'd, I mean, I wasn't at the game on Saturday. I'll temper everything I say by saying like I wasn't at the game, and, and all I'm going on is eyewitness reports and and people who were there. Um, but the, the chain of events appeared to be the game had kicked off and, and motherwell for the last season or so over that of the group of young guys who, are, who who sort of follow them home and away, especially away. Um, they bring a drum with them. They bring some flags with them, and they'll stand and sing, create a wee bit of atmosphere for the duration of the game, and generally just improve things for everyone. And I'm talking about a number of a number of around about maybe thirty guys, all all ages, all, all range of age, everything from sort of fourteen, fifteen up to sort of early twenties. Um, these guys had turned up at Patodre, as as Laurie was saying, in the away section, which holds I don't know, thousand plus. Um, and had chosen to, to stand and, and go about their business. And I think about sort of 15 minutes into the game, um, one of the one of the Pataudra stewards had uh, had taken umbrage for some reason to the fact that they were standing and had had weighed in at the crowd and told them to to, to sit down. Otherwise they were uh, otherwise they were heading for the exits. And I think a couple of the young guys had pointed out that in the back row of the the home end, the Aberdeen end, there was maybe 60, 70 Aberdeen fans all standing, and they were saying, "Well." If they're standing, we're standing. So you can imagine that, you can imagine the standoff. Eventually, I think they did sit down, purely just to get some peace from, from this idiot who was, who was harassing them. And then, of course, mother will score, everyone stands up again. So they continue to stand up after the goal. The stewards are back in the crowd again. This time pointing fingers and faces and telling them, sit down or you're out. Again, you can imagine the sort of exchange. I mean, these these are young guys, but I mean, let's let's not be naive about this. They've, they've gone to the football. They've probably had a couple of drinks. They're probably telling these stewards where to go. Next thing, the police are involved, and the, the situation just escalates from there, um, from maybe half a dozen people being involved to 20, 30 people being involved. The upshot being that I think around a dozen of them were uh, a dozen the boys were, were escorted out of the ground, um, and I think that was after something like eighteen minutes and. It, the whole thing for me just—it's um, just pretty depressing. In an, age, in an age where the game is on its knees, where crowds are dwindling at a, a ferocious rate, we can afford to have paying customers. I mean, let's, let's, not, let's not beat around the bush here. These guys have paid money to go in and watch that game. They've paid money to Aberdeen Football Club to go into their stadium and watch this game. You're talking maybe 20 quid to get in plus 20, 30 quid for your bus. You're looking at 50 quid to get up and watch that game. And I think in the end, I've seen something like 18 minutes of football before being chucked out in the street. And it just, it's a real bugbear of mine. And I, I think it's atrocious. And it's not, with this particular group, it's not the first time it's happened this season either. They were all they were all refused entry to Tanadice um, about six weeks ago. With their flags, wasn't with their flags, despite, despite the fact they'd contacted Tana Dice in advance and said, look, we're bringing a drum, we're bringing some flags, is that going to be a problem? And they get some official correspondence back saying, no, nope, that's not an issue. They turn up at the turnstiles and it just so happens that the are in the turnstiles decides they ain't getting in. They offer to go and look, put, the, put the, the, the drum and the flags back in the bus, which they do so, they then come back to the turnstile and they're then told that half a dozen of them aren't getting in because they've had too much to drink. And it's just the whole thing just stinks. It just stinks of people in high vis jackets with a wee bit of a power trip taking it on themselves to refuse people entry to football grounds or worse, chuck people out of football grounds. And I think it's, um, I think all of this is going to come to a head. And and, and there really has to be something done on an official level to, to clarify just what the rules are and what you can and can't get away with.
1: Yeah, I mean. I completely agree with with what you're saying, and it's kind of one of my main problems. Is it's like you say, it, it's not like there's a couple of fans in the ground standing up, and I someone contacted BBC Sport Sport Sound earlier and said when the old firm are away games, every single one of them are standing up and they in but no one says anything because that's just the way it is. I used to spend for like the entire season in 05-06 when Hearts finished second, and mainly because we're having a good season and. As I'm sure both of you will agree when you go to football, it's generally when you're doing well and when there's lots of singing that you're standing up. But we didn't sit down the whole season, pretty much. And I do it regularly at Time Castle. now. I'll stand up for 90 minutes. I personally prefer to stand up. What I will say is if someone's behind me and someone says, can you sit down, I can't see, then I will, I'll happily sit down because I agree that if someone's paid for a seat behind me and they don't want to stand up, then they shouldn't have to stand up. But my problem is... is as saying as well, with these away games, you've either not got many, you've not got anyone behind you, or everyone's standing up. I mean, it, it's just ridiculous to go in, and the problem is, like the atmosphere at Paradise, it was the same as that game. It was right at the start, the game kicked off, and generally when game kicks off, you're standing up because you've applauded the team on the park. You've, there's usually, especially on the away end, you usually the first songs come at the start, and this guy was telling this Hearts fan to sit down, and he was just basically ignoring him. I could see him; I was in the upper tier, he was just down from in the lower tier. And it was a decent atmosphere, you know. United Hearts fans were singing. There's there's no bad blood between us. But then he got the police over, and suddenly it turned. That's what turned things nasty, because all the Hearts fans reacted by booing and shouting and getting up and all trying to argue the case of this. And it I, it was it, suddenly the atmosphere really turned, and then obviously United fans started jeering. But then a few of their fans started getting taken away from the corner next to us, and they were getting annoyed. And it's like if anyone was making bad blood and maybe starting to cause a problem, it was the stewards and the police because there were certainly no problems before they kind of got involved needlessly. Um, Now, I contacted, tried to get in touch with the authorities and the two clubs. I've not heard back from the two clubs involved or the SPL yet, but um, Derek Kirkwood, who's the security advisor for the Scottish FA, so of the SFA, got back to me. And although obviously they won't deal with SPL matches, I presume they're all kind of working off the same hymn sheet, so to speak. So his response was, um, the ground management of the club hosting a match is ultimately responsible under the Safety of Sports Ground Act for the overall safety of the spectators. All clubs in Scotland meet with their local authority and after inspection of their facilities, a safety certificate is issued. The certificate stipulates how many seated and, if appropriate, how many standing areas the stadium is allowed. This is carefully monitored by local authority who can remove the certificate if it is not being complied with. I think in that point, he's saying that if the local authority believes they're not they're allowing too many standing, they can take away the certificate and thus the ground isn't usable. It does seem a bit extreme, though. He does then go oh, and say, as you know, the SPL dictates all grounds in their competition must have all seats area. Ground regulations are displayed at every ground, which clearly state that standing is forbidden in seated areas. However, it is fully understood by everyone that at moments of increased excitement, spectators may stand to cheer a goal or witness some other incident. However, they are expected to return to the seat when the moment has passed. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, some spectators don't, and this can be much to the annoyance of others who wish to sit down and watch the rest of the game. While I cannot speak for every, every club, I know, for example, Hamden and are specifically briefed to ask spectators to sit down with the proviso I have outlined above. I will add a comment of myself here that I've seen a lot of Scotland
0: games and a lot of people seem to stand up for a lot of the game. Yeah, recently I stood at the entire game. Was it the the check game? I stood the entire game. There was a guy in front of me sat down uh, for about five minutes, but that's only because he was eating his pie. and He didn't want to make a mess. He does go on to say this message is reinforced on
1: giant screens and
0: programs. Generally, if
1: someone persistently stands and refuses to take heed of a warning by the stewards then they may take action and ask them to leave the stadium. Frequently, this action will be as a result of a complaint to the stewards from someone who wants to watch the match while seated. If there are a large number standing, this can prove difficult for the stewards to deal with. All seers... All seats area, as I'm sure you're aware, were introduced in response to Lord Justice Taylor's report into the dreadful circumstances of the Hillsborough disaster, and it is encouraging to see that since their introduction to football in the UK has been notably safer for everyone. Tragedies still do occur in other parts of the world, however, due to significant safety failures. Safety, therefore, is the overriding factor in the UK. I fully understand the reasons some may wish to stand during a football match, however, if the stadium is all seated, then this should be respected by them. I note you refer to no one being allowed to stand at all. That was a by opening email Uh, and as I have explained this is simply not the case it is about respecting other patrons in the ground who have purchased a ticket to sit and being unable to do so by others persistently standing in front of them and I think Greg will want to respond to Mr Kirkwood's
2: Yeah I mean uh, (laughs) this is the the argument that's trotted out time and time again this health and safety argument and uh, yeah I mean you can it's a fallback position for all these clowns but when pushed on it and when asked to actually you tell me exactly which you know, which breach of health and safety is happening. They're a complete loss to do. So the thing that really kills me is the um is the consistency factor. We've already touched on on the situation at Hamden and certainly during the during the Scottish Cup final at the summer we, we stood for the entire duration of the game as did sixty percent like of the, the Murray fans behind that goal. And um we went to Easter Road uh, a month or so back, again, similar sort of situation to Aberdeen, similar sort of size of a way end. Um, these guys stood for the duration of the game. I was, I was, two or three rows in front and to the left. myself, my friend of mine stood for the entire duration of the game. We were not more than twelve feet away from probably fifteen to twenty police officers who were, who were, who were um, your know, marshalling the way supporters that day. Stewards at the front of the ground. Nobody batted an eyelid <laughs> the entire duration of the game. No one came out in the crowd for the entire duration of the game. There was no antagonism. There was nothing but decent atmosphere generated and it's, it's the consistency thing that kills me. If, if if they want to go down this road of saying you can't stand at the football then, I mean that's their choice but they have to come out, they have to make that a, a fundamental rule and they have to enforce it across the board and until they do that, that rule is complete nonsense. If they're not enforcing it consistently everywhere then it's a complete shambles so for a steward to come into a, a, an away end and tell me to sit down where well, I can point at the home end and point to sixty or seventy people standing. There's absolutely no way I'm going to be sitting down. And I, I take Lottery's point on board. If, if you're in a sold-out section and there's people behind you sitting, then yes, of course you sit down. It's without question you sit down. But in a half-empty away end where you're blocking no one's view, I just I fail to see the I fail to see the logic in that. And just one last point. You know, the, the mention of Hillsborough and these things is another thing which makes my blood boil. And without doing any sort of disservice to what happened at Hillsborough, it's just another easy fallback for the authorities to say, well, look what happened at Hillsborough, so we can't have you standing. And it's such Hillsborough is such a more, much more complex argument than just the fact that these guys were on on an open terrace. It, it, it just kills me when the authorities come back and, and use Hillsborough as an example for why they're not going to let me stand at a football match. It, it makes my blood boil.
1: Well, it's the same with the safe standing. You know, they keep they keep referring back to Hillsborough, and we had Ian McGill on a few weeks ago, former um, Tory candidate, and it's he brought it up as well because it's safe standing is totally different, and everyone refers back. We're not talking about getting a big terrace with a couple of a couple of um, of the kind of fence,
0: but it's 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 a totally different thing. It's an allocated space, isn't yeah. it? You get a, a row number, and I want to say seat number, but yeah, you do. You get an allocated space. It looks safer than actually what seating is, to be honest. What I was going to add, um, the Safety of
1: Sports Ground Act, which um, Derek Kirkwood mentioned, I tried to find out about, about it. It's it's difficult. The um, the led the um, the safety certificate they get awarded. It, it was more into that. It didn't really specify the standing. So what I, I kind of d- did a bit of digging, and I found Sunderland. A report by Sunderland FC because I think I hear they've had a bit of problem with it as well, and their stewards have been quite heavy handed about it. Now, this was their report into restriction on general, uh, on basically what they have to do with it. And I, I looked up with standing, and basically, let me see what they, they basically specified um, since the advent of the all seated stadium, which came about as a direct result of the recommendation made by Lord Justice Taylor in the Hills disaster. An emerging trend for fans, particularly those of visiting teams, to stand in seated areas has been noticed. Noted, sorry. This action of fans standing in seated areas is recognised as a major safety concern as it introduces the risk of injury to spectators and others from falls, surging and crushing. The ability of the club to manage the crowd and access to the crowd by police, ambulance service or St John's is severely affected due to the blocking of stairways, gangways and... It then adds vomitaries... I'm not sure what that is. Um, (laughs) Must be a a Macum thing. Uh, The action also impacts upon customer care. As spectators behind standing fans have no alternative but to do likewise, whether they wish to stand or not. It it does go on to uh, quite a few more points. It's quite a a few pages in the report. But the main bit I noted was that, after a bit of digging, that's, I presume, what they're justifying
0: with. And I just can't see that
1: justification at all.
0: Our well, are, are club's hands tied in this, this instance here because they have to get the safety certificate to allow them to, to open, to, to have games on. And for that to happen, the police have a bee in their bonnet about standing. I've got a, a statement here from Celtic talking about, I think they had a bit of a, a, an issue with the Green Brigade and their lateral movement. I've got a statement here saying Celtic Park is designed specifically as an all-seater stadium and the safety certificate for operating has been approved and issued on this basis. Persistent standing is a real safety risk and could ultimately result in the safety certificate, which is required to open the stadium, being revoked. There is a spokesman for Strathclyde Police says, this year standing during matches is one which we take very seriously. There have been a number of examples in this in recent weeks at Celtic Park and this cannot be allowed to continue for their own safety and the safety of others. All supporters should sit down during matches. So perhaps it's a threat from the police that is making the clubs and, well, the clubs are the one that's pushing the security into this. So maybe it's all coming from the safety certificate that they feel they they have to get people to sit down. And, well, if I was a steward, I, I I wouldn't go into... I stand with a few thousand fans and try and pick on them and say sit down. I would go for the easy, the easy option, and that's if there's a group of say 20 standing. Do you know, just for the, the easy life. But that's the problem because there's no consistency.
1: Because a lot of the time, as as Greg says, that it's ignored. I do I do all the time. I stand at Ten for 90 minutes. A lot of the time, I stand at away games. I like to stand for the game. If it was consistent, everyone had to sit everywhere. I wouldn't like it. But then. I would understand it. And it is that problem with consistency. And you find it a lot of grounds where you're in the away end a lot of the time and you're kind of singing or doing something and, uh, and you're getting treated differently and you look over at the home end and there's loads of people doing it. And it just, you can't, I don't care what they say, they can't say, oh, but it's hard if there's a lot of fans doing it. Well, then you can't come and claim to do it to anyone. I, I'm sorry, you can't say... We will enforce this, but only if there's a few of you, and you're not too big and scary looking, because otherwise it's going to cause us more problems than it's worth. That's, that, that. just doesn't stand up to me at all. And I think if you're watching any football, if you're watching an English Premier League game, Championship, SPL game, if you when you hear that's when you hear singing, when you hear songs being sung, I guarantee f- at least three quarters of the time those fans are standing and singing. Because how many times are you singing a song sitting in your seat? I don't, I don't be honest. I stand up and join in as everyone does around you, and then you sing and you're clapping. If we all get made to sit down, the atmosphere will be even worse than it already is. You know, we, we already have grounds half full, a third full, and it'll just brings it, it'll make it even worse if we've all got to sit down and we're not allowed to do this, not allowed to do that. A bit of reaction on the forum, Brypod says it's absolute nonsense, uh, the best one was at Hamden for one of our semis last season, he's an Aberdeen fan incidentally, uh, the section full of Don's fans next to us are all standing without hassle. Yet the, I like this one, yet the cock goblin in charge of our section told us all to stand down. And when some refused to do the double standards police were brought over. It's definitely orders from above. Quite often they'll tell you to sit down, but also say when they, when you go back up the stairs, you can stand up again, covering their own backs. They can't do anything if the whole stand is standing. So I guess that's why they make examples of individuals. I honestly don't know who anyone who prefers to sit. Johnny Robbs, it's hard to argue with your thoughts, lads, as to the, the kind of general discussion. Unless the standing is is causing grief for the other fans, then I can't think of a justifi- justifiable reason for the stewards' behaviour. So I think overall the feelings are, I mean, I had some reaction on Twitter as well. And Eric Geddy says it's not just the SPL grounds, it's in the SFL too. So I think maybe it is getting enforced more. And I think overall it's just something that I understand if they're getting orders to do it, but then it needs to get sorted from above because it's going to kill our atmosphere even more. And it will put people off from my point of view as well. If I can't stand up in a away game, it'll mean there's going to be basically no singing. And I said on the forum, I am a hearts fan, you know, and I support a team in Scotland. I don't pay this money to pay overpriced tickets, pay money on travel to go to away games often for the quality of football or for the great view. Half of the reason go he goes, it's a good atmosphere it's a good laugh. You have good banner with the home fans. You get to sing and stand up. And if I have to go and sit down in a corner with a rubbish view and a cold night, paying twenty five pound to get into dice to watch hearts get beat, then I'm going to get put off. And I think a lot of people will be in the same boat if if you can't even stand up and sing a song.
2: Yeah, it's it's it's, it's what hooks a lot of young people into going to football. The fact that they can go there with their pals can I mean you two are younger than me, so I don't know if you you remember the housing days, of the, the, the terracing. But when I hear these health and safety things being trotted out now, and I, and I, and I think back, you know, fifteen twenty years to to stand at the at the fence at Fir Park, and you know, massive crushes when goals went, in, and, 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 and and nobody complained, nobody was worrying about health and safety, nobody was batting an eyelid about it. To go to the to go to the state where we are just now, where you're not allowed to stand up. Where you're within a, within a seat row on a football ground it's just it's just beyond belief and it's going to come a, it's going to come ahead because if the, if this if this is the official rule then they have to they have to employ it across the board and what Laurie says if they employ it across the board and you're insisted that you're sitting at a football ground I'm not going to be going to too many more away games and I, and even at Far park I mean I've I've got a seat in the back row to stand at Far Park because I'd rather stand and watch a football if I'm told to sit in my seat. I'm probably not renewing that season ticket very much longer. That will force the issue. It will force the issue when people stop going to games, because that's the only thing that the authorities are listening to. When the money stops rolling in, it's the only thing that will force their hand to have a proper rethink. Up until that point, they have just be allowed to get away with it, um, indiscriminately, as, as, as they're doing at the moment. So, you know, all these, all these safety certificates, you know, I'm looking forward to them revoking Hampton's safety certificate next time there's an international game on. <laughs> Parkhead. Or Ibrox or everywhere else, because you watch it when the money's not rolling, in, you'll be soon to see the legislation changing pretty damn quickly, and it's it's up to supporters everywhere to, you know, to literally stand up and, and and make a point against this because it's too easy when when the police are over telling you to sit in your backside just to just to sit in your backside you don't want to get into trouble. And this was this was one of the big problems on Saturday. The people that the, the stewards and the police were picking on were 14, 15 year old boys. Yeah, they don't want to be taken home in the back of a police fan or having the the grampian police phone their parents to tell them they're in the cells overnight. And it's just an easy target. If there was if there was two three hundred old firm fans standing there on Saturday, the stewards would be nowhere near, nor would have been the police. So, he's uh, hoping that the wee bit of publicity that certainly the, the game at Aberdeen on Saturday's getting is enough to maybe jolt the authorities into action to have a real proper grown up rethink about how they treat paying football fans, you know. Football fans for years have been treated like second class citizens and it's going back that way again. The prices are going up and up. You're going to these grounds, you've been told to sit in your backside. If you don't like it, you've been launched out the other end. There is no other spectrum of life where you would be treated in such a fashion. And it's just football fans appear to be appear to be fair game for the authorities and it's it's high time it stopped.
0: If anyone wants to join in and the the discussion on on Jobsworth Stewards, if you go to the forum and do a search for Jobsworth Stewards, it's in the, the SPL section of the site. And, well, Laurie read out some of the comments in that thread, so get involved if, you're, if you've if you got a view on that. Or on anything
1: else Scottish football related. There's, there's lots of positive things on there. Well, there's one or two
0: <laughs> on there as well. <laughs> every, every now and then. So I thought I'd mention this week's Paul Band charity bet. Oh yeah. So he started off really well. We managed to give 45 pound in the kitty from the the first week, but he's had two lean weeks so far. That's well. He's hopefully, hopefully he's going to return with a decent prediction, and he's coming with Dundee versus Falkirk, which he hopes finishes 0 nil. So I'm going to get five pound on that once uh once I can get some odds at Ladbrokes. I'm going to get five pound on that and. Hopefully we can get another return to add to this £45 that will be going to charity at the end of the season. And I thought we'd move on to the the predictions for the, the SPL games that are coming up this week. And the first game up is on Wednesday. And that is Celtic's game in hand against Unfermline. And I've went for a 3-1 victory to Celtic. I can't see Dunfermline scoring Parkhead. I think
1: Celtic are looking quite strong again. Stokes grabbing the goals. I'm gonna go four nil to Celtic. A resounding win.
2: Yeah, likewise. I I can't see Dunfermline causing too many problems, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take a three 0 home win.
0: Confident in the Celtic defence there, to years. Mm-hmm. They're playing Dunfermline, so <laughs> Well, yeah, there is that, but I just thought the Celtic the the they're leaking goals, apart from at the weekend, there obviously, but yeah, three one, I thought. And on Saturday, we've got Celtic again, but this time against St Mirren. So I've went for a two one victory to Celtic. Three one, I think
1: Saints are uh, definitely a better side than Firmin. I think they could sneak a goal. Maybe we hassle or uh, or the ex ex up front in Stephen Thompson but I think Celtic will prevail ultimately so Celtic 3, St Mirren 1 for that one
2: I've got a repeat of the midweek result I think it's 3-0 again
0: and the next game up is Dunfermline against Aberdeen which I'm going for a a bore, a bore, boring 0-0 a Paul Band I would maybe go with that apart from the fact that they're
1: both so rubbish at the back that someone's about to get a goal off someone's backside or ricochet off, <laughs> ricochet off the goalkeeper's head and in or something um, oh god I don't know they're both so bad it's really I think 2-2 two, two. four on goals
2: <laughs> as much as much as I'd like to see them firmly start stringing some start stringing some goals and some points together starting Saturday I, I just I can't see it happening I think even though Aberdeen are no great shakes I think they're going to be strong strong enough to to, 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 to see uh, see them firmly away. so I'm going to go 2-1 Aberdeen
0: Aye, right, supporting your man Bruin, yeah?
2: I, I, I mean, like Laurie, Laurie says, I mean, they're ranked, but I mean, surely they're not that bad We can't beat them fairly. So, you so know, 2-1, as long as they're picking up the points against the yeah I, I, I don't mind as much as long as they're not going in against us I don't care So
0: the next game up is Hearts against Inverness which I've went for a 2-1 victory to Hearts, which Laurie will be pleased to hear I'll we pleased with a victory. I don't know if you predicting it's going to help. 3-1
1: <laughs> um, hearts. I think we played well at the weekend. As I mentioned, we're still decent enough at home. I know we kind of lost to Killy uh, recently, but again, by all accounts, we probably deserved at least a draw in that game, and I'm hoping that we'll carry on with playing a man up front in Inverness. As decent as they're playing, I don't seem to be getting the rub of the green, so hopefully that'll continue in... A 3-1
2: victory for for Hearts. Going to go to each, I think. Um, Hearts look as though they're they're showing signs of improvement as well, they're starting to play well. But I, th- I think Inverness are due and uh, are due rub the green at some point, so I think they'll pick up a point with take to each.
0: The next game up is Motherwell against Dundee United, and Motherwell are continuing their their winning streak, and Dundee United, by all accounts, were lucky to. Come away with the three points against Hearts for the weekend. So I'm going to go for a 2-0 victory to Motherwell.
1: Yeah, tricky one. Motherwell actually seemed to be less effective at home. And the way United played on Saturday maybe suggest to me that they might frustrate well in this game. I'm going to go... I'm actually going to go one apiece, I think. I think United look quite... Quite a sort of gritty, determined team at the moment, and John Daly is always worth a nick and a goal from a from a Robbie Nielsen launch into the box.
2: Aye, <laughs> I don't, I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring one um, at all. It depends what other side show up in the day. Bonus, we are due a couple of big performances, but um, we just seem to be stuttering a wee bit at the moment. That said, we're the home team, and I would hope we would be able to do enough to. Um, to beat United so I'm going to go a 1-0 home
0: win and the final game on the Saturday is St Johnson against Hibs now I'm not really sure about this one because who knows Hibs could have a new manager by then and if they do then I'd want to change my prediction but right now I'm thinking that St Johnson are going to win this 3-0 but as I say if Hibs do manage to get a new boss in then I want to change that but right now 3-0 to St Johnson 3 0. I'm going 0 0.
1: I don't really know what to expect now. Hibs to changed things. Um, I know Sandaza plays for them, but I'm I'm going to go 3 uh, 0. Sorry, I'm going to go 0 0. Getting get the Craig bug there. Sorry, 0 0 St Johnson Hibs because I can't decide on anyone to win it.
2: Uh, draw for me as well. I'm going to take one each, I think. I think Sandazzo sneak a goal. I think the the boy Griffiths for Hibs looks as though he's um, he's playing well at the minute, so I think he might nick one as well. Uh, so yep, stalemate uh, uh, Perth for me one each.
0: It's about time O'Connor started getting his shooting boots on again. So so I don't know. Yeah, I'm thinking that a goal could be possible. I'm going to stick with my three 0 just now. So, on Sunday, the lunchtime kickoff, which is live on Sky Sports 1, is Kilmarnock against Rangers. Rangers struggled against St Johnson at the weekend, but for some reason, Rangers can't really turn it on at home this season, and they, they are much better away from home. And against Kelly, I think it's going to be an easy stroll here. I'm going to go for a 2 0 victory to Rangers, but I think the win's going to be easier than the scoreline suggests. I'm going with a
1: scoreline that is as easy as the as the game's going to suggest. I'm going to go 4-0 Rangers. I think seeing Kelly against Inverness, they just look so dodgy at the back and Rangers seem really effective away from home and I saw them, I think, they, was it five they battered past them at the end of last season when they clinched the league title? So, yeah, I don't see it being much difference in that. So, yeah, 4-0 Rangers.
2: I think 3-1 Rangers for me. Kamarnika also a wee bit of threat going forward. I think they was like a goal but... Yeah, like you guys, I think Rangers will be too strong for them um, at the back, so 3-1 Rangers for me.
0: Was it Rangers, they only dropped one goal away from home? Was that against Aberdeen this season? I this I dropped, boat. definitely dropped. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't even mean that, but it's clever. Edit out the bit when I said I didn't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nope. So that, that brings us to the, the end of the podcast then.
2: So uh, thanks for joining us again, Greg. I thought your oh, input was really good. Really Hi, good for no. the stewards. No, it was good good getting a wee bit of um vent my frustration a wee bit after the uh, the steward I was on that forum on Saturday night with a couple of beers in me and I was thumping the keyboard. So it's good uh it's good to vent my spleen a wee bit. So anytime you're having a moan about anything, just uh, get me back on. Happy to do it.
1: You're always uh, everyone's always welcome to come on the forum and do likewise at ww.scotforums.core if they... They want to do the same, get something off their chest, you know. <laughs> Come on the forum, invent it there, or on Twitter as well at S Football Forums. There's lots of, there's always moaning going on Twitter about something. Doesn't even have to be football. Doesn't even have to be football at all.
0: I've got a new, I've got a new Twitter account as well, the SFF Topics, which is really just tweets of every topic on the forum. So you won't get any any banter from me there, but you could follow that and you'll get all the topics straight to your your timeline. And
2: <laughs> which account do you follow for the banter? S <laughs> football. Of course, sorry. That's course. where
0: all all the banter is, Greg. You know that.
1: <laughs> and a final shout out as well. Just to reiterate at the start the Scottish football uh, blogathon that took place um, by Tom from the Scottish football blog. If you have a few pennies to spare Then if you go to scottishfootballblog.co.uk and uh, from there you can get the link to the Just Giving page and, you know, just even a couple of pounds, whatever you can, whatever you can spare to the two good causes which is Alzheimer's Scotland and the Homeless World Cup. Good shout, Laurie.
0: Right, cheers, Laurie. Cheers, Greg. Cheers. 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 Bye. See you later, Bye.